0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host Jay Williams, and joining me today is Rabbi Helene. Hey Jay, how are you doing today?
1: I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, I just realized in like 160 podcasts, you've never
0: asked me how I'm doing. I've never asked you how no, you're doing. You don't care. That was and even that was just like, well, I have to say that because we have to get well, this going. Well, well. So uh, yeah, we'll air this out later. <laughs> no, um, hey, so this weekend I had, um. I had a scary nightmare that came true. Oh my. Yeah. Like nightmare in Elm Street so, style. So like what your, is what is a classic a what is a classic real? nightmare when you have a like related to having a um like preaching a sermon or having a some kind of presentation or something to turn in, like the classic nightmare. Uh you're naked. Yeah that was why we had no no not that that's a classic. <clears throat> the classic is that and I have this a lot where that my alarm doesn't go off and I oversleep and all of a sudden I'm like running oh. in late and I haven't been prepared. I don't know what I'm going to okay. say. Yeah. Also a So like I have this nightmare that I'll wake up on Sunday morning without a sermon and it'll be like 9:15 and people are trying to rush me in there at 9:30 and I'm like Rushing in there, and I'm like, I don't I don't know, I don't even know what's going on. Hmm. And I haven't showered and I haven't, whatever, clothed though, usually. So that's different for you. But um, I, I, <laughs> I make it weird, man. Well, you, that's
1: a, that's a classic. Like, I you're giving know. a presentation. Well, underwear and for some is what i heard. You're not this is G
0: rated, man. Like, we're gonna, oh, we need to get the, um, so anyway, Sunday morning, I had a very um, rough night of sleep. So I was, mm. I was pretty exhausted and I, the sermon was not as far along as normal. Mm. So I had a lot of work to do on Sunday morning and, um, my alarm didn't go off. Oh you know, you, yeah, it didn't. Well, the funny thing is it was on my watch and when I looked at my watch and woke up, it said alarm. But oh, no, that's happened to me before. Yeah. yeah,
1: like evidently it's been going off for the last forty-five minutes, but but no, no sound and no sound, no, no vibration, yeah. no
0: nothing. And I, yeah. so I, the Lord woke me up two minutes past when I normally would have woken up, which saved me Dude, from. Loves you the most? Uh, it saved me from such chaos. Like there was a lot of chaos around Saturday night and Sunday morning, so that was just one of the little things. But I almost had. I just thought, man, what a bullet dodged because. My wife and daughter are out of town, so oh, man, so there's no boys, there was no safety net there. No, none. My boys did not stir until well after eight, and so I just all of a sudden pictured a a, a horrifying alternate universe where Judah is coming <laughs> in and saying like, "Hey, Dad, don't we have to be at church like in ten minutes?" <laughs> <laughs> So, this is a strong argument to
1: get uh, one of those old school cartoon style alarm clocks that have yeah. like the two
0: bells and the tiny hammer in between that so, goes back and forth. Fun fact those make noise every my, time. My parents bought me because I was notorious for hitting the snooze bar and notorious for sleeping through it. My alarm would wake up everyone else in the house before, <laughs> and I would not get up. They bought me a Garfield alarm clock. Yeah. Which was the size of like a um medicine ball. Okay. It was massive. It was a giant alarm clock, just like that. The old cartoony with the giant bells on it with a giant hammer in between. Yeah. It was insane. <laughs> and that thing was like fire station alarm <laughs> worthy. Did it it's, do the trick? Uh oh yeah. Well yeah. But it's one of those things where it's kinda like buying a toddler like a drum
1: oh, you know or yeah, yeah.
0: shaker or whatever. Mm-hmm. I it did the trick. But it, it it also did the trick to terrify everyone. I mean, we could not handle the stress of waking up like that every morning because <laughs> it certainly woke me up. But uh so you wake up every day with that instant sense that the house is yeah, on fire. Yeah, like what yeah. So Perfect. it uh we didn't use it very much. All right. But um so I could I could pull that somewhere. I think we have that somewhere still. Garfield for the win. Garfield alarm clock. So anyway, that's what almost happened on Sunday
1: but it didn't and so you did deliver a sermon i did which is just good news for all so
0: great way to say that it didn't happen and so you were able to deliver a sermon I, it sounded like you I were ready to put, put an the adjective in there. Pause in there like yeah. you just no no it. you did like roll back the tape let's see like yeah you did mm-hmm. here's a, here's my Deliberate. impression of that. Sermon? sermon like all i i picture all the adjectives that were going through your head and you're like nope 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 you're like, gotta say something sermon <laughs> so um i mean yeah it was definitely well here's the here's the irony of the whole thing is it was definitely one where i like we were just talking about before we got on air that uh that I did a lot of editing on the fly. So the irony is that you panicked
1: to write those notes and then (laughs) you got up there and just tossed all your notes and preached something different.
0: I didn't panic to write the notes. I ended up getting up at a normal time. I was able to study as I normally would and do all that, but it was a little chaotic. And then, and then when I got in there, yeah, it was definitely one of those Sundays where I thought as I was up there looking at the people and this is why we talk about this all the time. Or I say that all the time. I don't know if we talk about this all the time. We have talked about it multiple in the past. times. I've yeah. mentioned that in our view on sermons is that I'm preaching for those people gathered in those in that room, and also now when we have some people who are online live that are part of our church family, but right. but are still online. But that but that local specific context, this particular day, these particular people, this particular passage, and that that sermon will not be the same as. If I preach that same passage five years from now, yes, um, in uh, in India, it will not it will not be the same sermon, and and so on this Sunday I was looking and and just for whatever reason felt like no actually this point that you were gonna kind of make at some point was is actually the point and so I kind of yeah I kind of paused even in the middle of the sermon and. It would be interesting to watch the tape back, and you, I could probably pinpoint like, yep, there it is. That's the moment <laughs> where it like clicked in my head. Like, mm, forget all the rest of this stuff. Like, this is what we're this is what we're gonna go after, um, and you know, hopefully that is helpful and whatever. But that's just behind the scenes because it's not, it's not a classroom lecture, right? So,
1: right. I think I think uh, our listeners would be interested to know what was the point that was not actually the main point. Of your sermon that you decided to on make the fly, the main point? yeah.
0: Why? Oh, because they'll all see. they'll because, anyone who's listening because, will just say like, "Yeah,
1: yeah." Because yeah. anyone who was actually once you told me, I was like, "Wait, what?" Like no, that, that was clearly the, the main point right. of the sermon. So anyone who was actually yeah. listening would assume that was the planned main point.
0: I yeah. think. Yeah, the point that became the main point when, as I was sitting there, as I was with our people together in the room, I'm thinking, "Oh, the main point here is." That we create our own promise lands, like whatever whatever thing we view as our promised land will determine um <laughs> see this is so, it's so the way you were it was so much better, but yeah, like we have we have this promised land in our mind, and then we have obstacles that keep us from that, and so we are going to look for a deliverer, whether it's ourselves or somebody else who will get us the promised land that we want, overcoming the obstacles that we think are the problem, yeah. And that is stands in stark contrast to what God says the actual promised land is, what the actual end is, that that God says is, and what are what the actual obstacle that God says is our obstacle to receiving that, and then therefore the deliverer that we need to overcome the obstacle yeah. that that is there, and which, um, and I think that that is so obviously critical in the Christian life, and so subtly challenging. Like it's just so. It is. It it is it it sounds right like on the surface you're like okay well yeah 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 but when we really look at our lives I think I think especially in a in a developed country like ours in a wealthy country like ours it can get very and in a country where you we are not facing persecution um, it can it can get very fuzzy yes and yes for sure so yeah you're right the, if that's if people were listening they'd think well yeah that was the whole that was the whole sermon like. Yes, that was a, <laughs> that was it a, was it originally. Not at Sunday at 8 a.m. No, a, Sunday at 8 a.m. It was a point, a thing like, hey, we should, I should, it was kind of like a application point. Yeah. You know, just like a, hey, this, but. I love that. I love how specifically the spirit loves
1: his people by nudging, by nudging us that way, by saying like, hey, this thing that you thought was peripheral, we need to move that to the center. And this thing that you thought was a really, really big deal uh, e- either like that's just a point, and then you need to move on quickly, or don't even say that at all. Like that's just not not going to be as helpful as it as it seemed like it would be on Tuesday morning. Right. Like right now, standing in front of this group of people and and seeing the faces, seeing the response, and and uh, you, you oftentimes you just go, "That's nope. We don't need. We don't need that. <laughs> we're moving on."
0: Right. And and just to be clear, just this is a little bit of the behind the curtain as we were you know when you're doing this. It's not that I ad libbed the rest of the sermon. Correct. It's just that I yeah. I pressed more deeply into so any given time when you're writing a, a point or an application point or you're thinking about how this how this applies, you might have six, seven different ways you could communicate that, um, and you work through it and then you plan on saying this. Well, it, when when I realized no, this is actually the point, then I I kind of. I, I restated it in some of those different ways. I started to focus all of my creative energy in that moment on that point and making sure that that was coming across. And then, yes, I ditched, I ditched other. What's funny is I ditched other points that originally were points, but then in that moment felt like rabbit trails. Yeah. And so, and that's just, that's just growing in that Mm -hmm. and realizing that, um, you know, when you're younger and you know, if this is for, for all the young preachers out there who are listening to this, which I think there's one. But if they... <laughs> say, I can just send them a text. But um, the the as you get older in, in, in this, you should be more, more and more humble with it. Like your, your humility should grow in that. And what happens, part of what happens is that idea that you thought was great on Tuesday, you're really excited about, sometimes isn't so great on Sunday. And to be able to let that go and just say, well, then that's not... You know, maybe that was just for me, or maybe that actually served to make me be able to preach this other point with more conviction. And so all that other prep, it's not like that was wasted. It was. It was all an exercise in that, and and made me even more confident that no, this is this is the point. That's so.
1: right. All all that prep is is more time in the text and internalizing right. that and growing in our understanding of that, so that you're able in that moment to say, I need to lean more heavily on this aspect of the text instead of this other one, yeah. instead of being a slave to our notes and and feeling in that moment, this is not going to be a helpful point. Like this is actually going to detract. But I have to say it anyway because it's in my notes, yeah. and so I'm just going to plow right through this unhelpful and distracting point. Like,
0: yeah, but you know, I would say though, and then I think we should talk about why that point is so fuzzy and gray, and like we had mentioned. Um, but I do want to, I do want to make the point that this is not the same thing as saying that the Holy Spirit only works on Sunday morning. You know, i used to hear that growing up like, you know, well you do all the preparation, but then on Sunday morning, that's when the Holy Spirit shows up. I'm like, no, the Holy Spirit shows up on Tuesday. And so I think it's a personality thing too. I think there are people, I have known some great preachers who script and they know by Wednesday or Thursday, like this is what I'm preaching. And, and what they preach on Sunday morning is, is almost identical to what they yep. wrote out on Wednesday. And and they are faithful in that. And God just right. works through them in that personality. Their personality is that. God uses that. and uses it for his glory. And a person who gets up on Sunday morning and just says, well, I don't want to do any preparation because I want to be open to whatever the Holy Spirit says, that's not more faithful than the person who studies and prepares and ends up going Certainly up not. and saying the thing that they plan to say on Wednesday. What makes it faithful or not is your heart in the moment, right? If you're clinging to if if you're listening to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is is moving you in a different direction, and you're clinging to your pre made plans, well, right. that's unfaithful. But so is if you're just procrastinating and like meh, right? Like, I'm, I'm just, not doing I'm anything. Trusting to in through. my yeah. own
1: ability to wing it,
0: right? Yeah, then that's that's also not faithful no. to just be like, oh, I have the spiritual gift of winging it, which right. is really just. <laughs> You know, so, so yeah. There's faithfulness in all of those ways, but to the point when I mentioned it's, it can feel very fuzzy, especially in a culture. You are nodding vigorously, vehemently. The people can't see that. No. And so, what, what, what? Why do you think that's so? I mean, I would say that this is like one of the key issues that American Christians have to face and overcome, and it's a very difficult one to discern. Is this idea of what do I, what do I view as the good life, or as the promised land, or you know the land of milk and honey? Like, what do I view as that? Because then I'm going to whatever I'm. I don't have it. I don't know too many people who say I I have received everything, every blessing. Like I'm in heaven right now. Um, so if that's the case, then there is some obstacle to that, and um, and then I'm going to look for a deliverer and that's going to be my king. Why do you think that's so subtle? Like, why do you think that's such a difficult thing for us to grapple with? And I think
1: there's a lot of layers to that. One of them, I think, is that we, and we've talked about this on several podcasts, but, but we conflate, we, we mix uh, our interpretation of scripture with scripture itself. And so I view my interpretation of scripture as inherently inspired by God rather than seeing scripture is inherently inspired by God. But I am looking at that through the lens of my sinful flesh, which is going to distort just about everything. My heart is distorted by sin. My mind is distorted by sin. And that's the reality of literally every single person who has ever lived with the exception of one. So like if I'm starting from a humble premise of like my, my theology is flawed and I can, and there's a really, I think a really, help, in my opinion, a very helpful flow chart that you can follow to determine if your theology is flawed. And so question one is, are you Jesus Christ? <laughs> if yes, you know, then the arrow goes to the left and that bubble says, you are the king of kings and Lord of lords and your theology deserve is great. <laughs> all glory and honor and praise. And your theology, theology is perfect. If no, then your theology has flaws. Like So there is no camp. There is no pastor there is no book there is no line of thinking that isn't without certain holes in its understanding um and that's not like that does not like we don't throw just throw our hands up and go oh then it's useless no like that just provides humility to say mm-hmm. so it is possible that i am misunderstanding something i, I am mean, it is definite that i am misunderstanding some things and uh and so if i can start with that premise then when i hear you preach on sunday we are often decide what prom what our promised land is rather than saying well obviously i'm not doing that so i hope all the people who are doing that are listening i take a step back and say all right in what ways am i doing that in what ways have i am i seeking the wrong end and i'm using at best jesus as a means to accomplish the end i really want or i'm not even considering jesus i'm using someone else or something else or myself or my own accomplishments of success to try to accomplish a completely different end and i and i think second the reason that that gets so fuzzy is because i don't know anyone personally who as we were saying like wakes up in the morning and, and says i am i consider myself a follower of jesus and i am going to choose to pursue what i know to be ends that are contrary to god's will and my joy we all we all think we're doing the right thing, right? We all think we're pursuing Jesus the right way. We all think that we're that our priority is God's will for our life. Um, we're we're blind to our blindness, right? We right. don't we we can't see what we can't see, and so we wake up assuming, well, sure, I'm I'm pursuing God's will, rather than waking up and going, man, there's there's definitely some blind spots and. And I need to look to things like, what are the things that make me angry? What are the things that, you know, stir up emotions in me? What are the things that I'm afraid of? Asking questions like that help me determine, so what is it that I'm actually pursuing? And what is it that I believe is preventing me from getting there? And oftentimes the answer is not more Jesus. Right. And the thing that's the, you know, this is the obstacle to me getting more Jesus. It's something else. It's something other than Jesus which then means I'm going to cling to something other than Jesus in order to get there.
0: Yeah, I I agree with all of that. I I think what you just said there about you know we don't typically wake up and think I'm going to go the opposite direction. You know, we, we read, we're not Jonah, right, right? Exactly. We read Jonah and you think like, <laughs> why well, didn't do that. the exception, not the rule. Right? Now I think most of us can look back. Here's the thing: if yeah. you need evidence of this. I think all of us who have followed Jesus for any length of time can look back and see times where we would say, "Oh, I th- yeah, I thought that was the right thing, but now in hindsight I realized that was that was foolish. Mm-hmm. I I was pursuing that thing because I thought that's what God wanted for me, but now I realize, oh man, that that was foolishness." And, you know, even if you go back to your teenage years or your young adult years or maybe last Tuesday, but there's hindsight actually is really useful to give us a little bit of a glimpse or perspective that our judgment in the moment is not always great. Yeah. Cause any, I mean like we all have things we regret. We all have things that we do in the moment that we think are good and right or justified. And then later you're thinking, why, how did I possibly think that that was a good idea? Because, because we have blind spots. And, and so I think, yeah, being humble in that, I think that's a, um I think that's critical and I think one of the things is especially here there's so many similarities between our kind of twisted view of the promised mm. land and what mm, God yeah. has and so um so things like this will happen where uh you know when I was doing church planting there was this feeling of well people just wanted um they're pursuing attendance and pursuing okay. you know like a lot of churches, that was a, that was a big thing for a long time still is, but you measure success based on how many people come. And so that's kind of like the promised land for the church of like, we want as many people in here and it's, it's, it's subtle, but there is a difference between, I want as many people to come in here as possible. And I want to be as faithful of a church as possible. Yeah, If you're equating faithfulness with numbers, um, then you start to pursue the numbers and and it's there's similarities. Does God want more people to come to know him? Yes. yes. Are we called to go share the gospel and bring in more people? To, Absolutely. To know? Yes. Do we want more people to come on Sunday morning? 100%. And so it's all those similarities with it that can feel like you feel like you're on the right track, but yeah. you're actually not realizing, yeah, but the actual end goal becomes numbers. And if the numbers become your goal, will they obstacle to those numbers Could be anything from, um, you know, how many people actually hear about your church, or how many, you know, how big of a worship area you have, or what kind of music you play, or whatever. You get you get wrapped up in that, and then your deliverer from those obstacles become like the business experts and marketing gurus and all that, and and before you know it, you're making decisions that are very counter to the way Jesus would function in ministry but it's all in pursuing this end that you you're so convinced that that's the goal and so you don't even realize like you're actually following a different king to get there even though it's like 90 percent in common you know yeah um yeah which is why every week i get two to three emails
1: from church marketing companies saying buy this book on six ways to get more people to show up on sunday and it's like man if Look at the table of contents. If it doesn't say preach the gospel and make disciples six times in all six chapters, then I'd be like, you're doing it wrong, man. And this isn't, this isn't church. Like you're just, you're selling a product. And, but, but nobody wakes up and goes, I'm going to, well, somebody does. Very few people, very few people wake up and go, I am, I am commoditizing church. Like I'm going to make this into an income generation plan so I can just sell more product It's, I have this really good, well-meaning idea to try to accomplish what I believe the actual end is. And unless we Mm -hmm. continue to go back to scripture and see, well, how did 3000 people come to Christ in one moment with no social media plan? Like, (laughs) oh, they preached the gospel and then they made disciples out of them. Like,
0: well, thought he preach the gospel. He walked out of his door. I mean, I've right, said this before, yeah. but like when people say, well, at Pentecost, they had like, you know, thousands of people there, so we right. should try to draw a crowd. And I was like, Peter didn't try to draw a crowd. He, he walked, walked out the, the door. balcony. He right. walked out on the balcony. There's a bunch of people there. And right. I, so I would tell in our church planning training, I would tell church planners, like, by all means, if you walk out your door and there's thousands of people standing there, preach the gospel. Yeah. And if they all come to faith, like, you are now Amen. a mega church and go for it. Yeah. But, but I think. And here's what's so tricky about it is not only are there s- the similarities mean that there are good things in these right. false ends that we pursue, and so what you'll get caught up in, and, and so to use another illustration besides the church could be family. Mm. You know, it could be that that um, I, I want my family to be like a godly family and to you know have to look this particular way or um, flourish in a particular way. And many of those pursuits are good things or things that God even calls us to. But is it the end? Right. Is it the main goal? And I think the ability to separate those to say that, well, yeah, I want to be a, a good husband, you know, or I want, I want my, I obviously want my kids to flourish. Um, but there's a difference between making that, an, like what Keller would say, taking a good thing and making it an ultimate thing. Yeah. That, that's what idolatry is. And we see it. In, all these different ways. So so with the pastoring in the, the in the church world, we don't intentionally do things to chase people away. And there are things that we can do that you know that we can borrow from that. Like we talk about this where we say, you know, I wanna have clear signs. I want to make sure that with people Pull up to our church, that they know which door they're supposed to go into, right. you know, and where the bathrooms are, and if they have children, like where to check them in, and right, you know, those are all just hospitable <laughs> right. things. I'm
1: imagining, right. I'm imagining the 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 church strategy of we are intentionally inhospitable because we don't want you to Probably. get the impression that we might be too focused on numbers.
0: I mean, that is a lot of churches too. <laughs> I mean, that's the yeah. other ditch that there are a lot of churches. I I've been to churches like that where they will they will trumpet that they don't care about growth because they care about faithfulness to god and they do that by being super rude and welcoming by everybody treating
1: people with unkindness right. and not sharing the gospel with anyone right and that's not a, that's being a much winsome better and ditch. not
0: being right so it's not that you you don't you don't solve that problem by going the opposite direction which right. i i did for a while like mm. anything that smelled of that kind of church growth stuff i ran away from even no. to the point of realizing I'm actually not being hospitable right hmm. now. That's not hmm. faithful yeah. to Jesus. So I think being able to see that, and, and and right now we see that in the country a lot, and this is where I have the sympathy. When people say to me, aren't you concerned about XYZ happening in the culture? Yes. Yes. And what we yeah. keep trying to remind people, though, is you ha- it is a critical thing to remember what the actual end is. I would love for our country to flourish as an influential center for Christianity across the world. Like I would love for that to happen. Um, I will even do things to try to help that along, but it is not the end. It is not the promised land. And when you, if you don't differentiate that, then we get into trouble because then we start looking at, okay, well the obstacle from that is, you know, are these particular laws you know, if, if you think that, and so therefore our deliverer is a political party to be able to, to get the right people in the courts yeah. so that we can have the right laws so that we can have achieve our promised land of being the center of, of the Christian world, um, and a force for good. And there are good things in that. We say, like, yeah. well, look at all the good that has come out of this country through the church and through the, the ability of the church to be able to flourish without being constrained by the government and without being, you know, that there, you don't have to meet underground and people, you know, can give money. And there's incredible things that God has done through that. But to then make that an ultimate thing. Right. Um, makes that the promised land. And then ultimately, you're when push comes to shove, because it will, you can say like, ninety percent of the time we're in lockstep, and Jesus is right there. But but what happens when it's not? And what happens? Yeah. Like what you view as okay, what is the actual main goal, the end here? Um, that will determine what you see as the big the big obstacle to it, and then what you are looking for in a deliverer. And if the answer to those big questions are not like fulfillment and abiding in Christ, and the yeah. obstacle and reconciliation and 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 being with God, and the obstacle being my own sin, and so therefore Jesus is right. the, my deliverer. Right. Those aren't the answers to that big those big questions. When push comes to shove, in the hardest of moments, then we are off course. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, i th- I think it's really important to address that. That while while it's really foggy and difficult to know um for for us to just kind of naturally discern if if we're off course it it actually really is that simple you know kind of like the the Jesus flow chart right like at it really is as simple as is is Christ the end to me like is more is abiding in Christ the ultimate goal uh and dwelling with him forever starting this instant then then I have then my my goals are misaligned and and if and if I don't see as you said if I don't see my own sin as the primary obstacle to everything else to achieving more of Christ like it really is that simple of that is the the only answer right because that's what God has defined as the end that's what God has told us explicitly is the problem is the obstacle and he has determined uh the means to save us from that obstacle in in the cross and Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And when we do that, then Jesus will be our king. Then then we don't cling to idols because we trust what God has told us is the end and the means uh, rather than me coming up with it on my own. It, it, it is blessedly simple. I just, we don't love that because we kind of like our idols, right? I like the ends that I have determined. There's, I've grown comfortable with that. And I don't like thinking of myself as the primary obstacle. It is much more comfortable to think of you as the primary obstacle or all those people out there, certainly not us and definitely not me, because then I would have to take some responsibility and I would have to make some significant changes, uh, and, and realize that I am wrong and desperately need Jesus. Um, but that's Like that is where freedom is. That is where life is found abundant life. That is where I'm actually released from all these things and can pursue the end that I was created and saved to pursue by the means that he has determined to pursue that. And everything else ultimately crumbles in the end, right? The proverb, there's a way that seems right to man. And in the end, it leads to death. Like my way, everybody dies his way, abundant life,
0: eternal that seems better.
1: I mean, I mean, it
0: seems better. So why is it so hard for us? Like, why do so we not hard. actually want that? I, then? You know, we get stuck, you know, like a soldier that gets stuck in a... Uh, we're very myopic, first of all. Like yeah. We tend to only... I mean, we are finite. So we can only see from the perspective, the point of view that we're in. And once we get fixated on something as the problem, hmm. we do start to get a little blind to everything else. We all do this. I mean, imagine you know as soon as you whatever you attribute if it's uh, a new job or a new relationship or a new toy or whatever if you get it in your head this this is a major problem that i've got to get this figured out we we all tend to get like yeah. okay i got to i got to deal with that then and just reminding ourselves of well this is this is not an ultimate thing yeah. and what that does is it keeps us tethered to jesus so here's here's another example that depending on what you want what a person wants me to say on any given moment I'll, I'll hear a couple of things one we should not live for the praises of men like jesus says you'll be hated yeah you know I, if they hated me they're gonna hate you um also jesus Paul was, doubles down on that by saying if i was interested in the praises of men then i would not be a servant of jesus christ right because those things are in conflict right and here's the fun part about it because then on the other end jesus was beloved right <laughs> Right by the masses, and many, many, many times we are told that an elder to point an elder, they should be thought of like well thought of by outsiders. Yeah. That we are supposed to be seen in in the world as, you know, as above reproach, and we yep. are supposed to like that they shouldn't have anything. That if they accuse us of anything, it should be foolishness. You know, be, they should be put to shame because of you know our good works yeah. in there. Which is also so, Paul who said the other yes. comment too. So it's not like you got right. two apostles who are no. like, oh, like, these debating. guys have different. Like, nope, both yeah. Paul. And, and I think what's what is important in there is if so, if your goal, if you look at that and you say, oh, we should be well thought of by outsiders, like we want we want the world to see us as good. Um, well, then that leads to a lot of compromise. If that's my promised land, like if that's my measuring stick. And I can quote scripture all along the way yeah. to say this is why we have to be seen in this way. And then I'm going to look for a particular way to deliver me. And it is not going to be the way of Jesus. But the other ditch where I've seen so many people say, well, yeah, but Jesus said we're gonna be hated. And so, therefore, every time we're hated, we think like that's being faithful because right. I can quote that scripture similar even, to when people Even though
1: sometimes it's become I'm a super insensitive right. judgmental jerk and they right. hate me because I'm a jerk not yeah. because I'm so faithful.
0: Yeah, it's it's and you know but we can quote the scripture to back up whatever the situation is. It happens when people yeah. want to justify being angry all the time or pastors being angry. Say so, well Jesus turned over the tables. Paul strikes a guy blind. Like yes, those are one time we see Paul right. do that and and Jesus we see that twice and that's like that's it. Yeah. And so it's not normative, but we, the thing is, is we, this is again, going back to the idea of using the, the Bible as a proof text rather than as right. authoritative source of knowing and abiding in Jesus. And that, that, that's very critical because otherwise I can look, I can chase just about any promised land and any false deliverer and, and back up, back it up with proof texting. Yeah from yeah. from scripture. I will find a verse that will back up my point no matter how heinous. Great. I mean Satan does it. Right. So if you think if you think that doesn't <laughs> right. happen like Satan is really good at it and yeah. um and so that happens that should not make our trust in God's word waver. It should make our arrogance about our own understanding, our own interpretation and the ability to just reason everything out. It should make that like that should soften that. Yeah. And so I think coming, coming back to it. Cause I think that that point of, um, you know, how similar these things are. And so then we end up getting these situations like, well, then are you saying, um, you know, like, so are you saying that we should be well thought of or shouldn't be well thought of? I think what's interesting is Paul says, I, if I were interested in the praises of men, hmm. he doesn't pursue them. What he's doing is he's abiding in Jesus, right? He is a servant of Christ. And there will be times as you are just, if if we could just cling to Jesus and walk with him, if he was here in the flesh right now and we just followed him around and mimicked everything he did, there are going to be days and times where people will hate you and times where people will love you. And, but your focus, if you're watching, like my focus wouldn't be on what's happening out there. It's just, am I with Christ? Like I'm like clinging on to him and abiding him and following him in, in any of these things. And so that's where you get to Paul in Philippians four of like, you're just, when he says, I've learned the secret of, of this stuff. Like, man, if you want to know, how do you walk through this world where sometimes you're hated? Sometimes you're loved. Sometimes things go well. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it looks like the gospel is being advanced because of the favor. It seems that God is showing you and opening doors. Mm, And sometimes where it looks like it's shutting it down because you're sitting in a prison cell. Like he was, you know, He's like, the secret to all of that is Christ. Yeah. He's abiding Christ. Yeah. I can be joyful in all of those circumstances right. because of Christ. Joyful and content because right. I'm clinging to him. And so now I'm not, I haven't, Paul is this ultimate picture of, of not like making, making the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. And saying like, that's my focus and all, everything else, all these other circumstances serve that end, that purpose. Um and, and kind of keeping that single minded focus of that. And then that allows us so then when people say like well then you know are you saying this thing is wrong like or it's wrong to care about this law or to care about it? like no. But I'm saying it's wrong to be interested in that above and beyond what you know is the main yeah. Yep. the main goal. And when
1: in order to accomplish that lesser goal I'm willing to compromise the greater goal.
0: Right. Which you know Jesus I was just thinking about Jesus telling The disciples, um, unless you hate your mother and your father, he he's not he's not saying you have to hate your mother and father. He's saying that you know in that culture, pleasing your parents was the promised land, like Mm -hmm. you know that kind of family ties and like that that was the ultimate thing. Like, do not honor your mother and father meant I I can't. I can't displease them regardless of what their expectations are. Yeah. And so that's a pursuit of something where Jesus is saying, no, I'm, I'm your pursuit, which means you have to discard your desire to please your parents. Like honoring yeah. your parents is not the same thing as pleasing your parents and honoring your country is not the same thing as idol- idolizing your country yeah. or your family or your
1: job. Or my accomplishments, the things that I build, or my hobbies, or my, like all, all the things, all the things. So this is the point in the podcast where I give you a silent hand signal indicating that we are out of time. And then we're you out say out loud into the microphone, what are you doing with your hand over there? Are you trying to tell me that we're out of time? So I'm just going to skip both of those steps and get right to the, we're out of time. But
0: wait a second, you, the, the irony of that is you didn't give me a hand signal as you were saying that. No, that's why I said. I
1: skipped that step. And I just said it out loud instead of the silent hand signal step, and then you say it out loud, and then I I say, why did you say it out loud? I was trying to give you a silent signal.
0: (laughs) Why did... did See, I saved so much time this this way. This is why our listenership is plummeting. (laughs) That's that's too (laughs) inside and too deep cut of a... Oh, That's good. Yeah, yeah. We we looked at Robbie. We had a fun lesson in graphs. Robbie showed me the yeah. listenership, and it looked like the bar graph looked like listenership was plummeting. <laughs> like it looks like is it a free it fall? Awesome. Yeah. And then you realize the math. You actually of look at the numbers. You're like, oh, you're like oh, oh, actually, we're doing yeah, really great. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah Everything's yeah. fine. So because of that, we hope it's helpful. Yes, we've anyway.
1: doubled listenership. So hopefully, both of you enjoyed this right, podcast.
0: Right. And uh, see what I did there. I see what you did there. Uh, that was a Jay like self deprecating thing.
1: I'm learning from the master. Mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounded like... I was doing like a Jeff Goldblum thing there. Mm, yes. I, I'm, I'm not doing it's impressions. We need to land, land this plane. You gave me the signal, the verbal signal, and now you're not right, landing so the plane. Right, so that you can now land the plane. What? You're the lander. All right. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh,
1: hopefully, you probably should have bailed two and a half minutes ago, but if you're still listening, we love you. We appreciate... Uh, you taking the time and hope that uh, this is an encouragement and a blessing to you. If we can help and serve you or pray for you in any way, or you just want to share something encouraging about what God's doing in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can grab us on a Sunday or you can uh, reach us uh, by emailing us at connect at faithpeshtego.com. And until next time, grace and peace.